Well, good morning. Thank you for being here today. I appreciate that so much. If this is your very first time here, let me tell you that we're in a, a series called My Makeover. And basically, here's what we're doing. Uh, we're currently renovating the sanctuary, the building behind me. And uh, while we're in this process of renovating the sanctuary, we begin to pray and say, Lord, what would you like to change in our lives? What renovation would you like to bring about in us? So today, I want to continue that series. And today, I want to talk to you about the power of pain. Someone has said that it's doubtful that God can use a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. I think that's true. I suppose the question of the ages is why God allows evil in, in our world and why He allows suffering in our lives. Now, some of that I understand, but much of it I don't. You know, I think Jack Benny got it right. Do, do you, anybody here remember Jack Benny? Yeah, my age or older you do, but yeah. Let me tell you about Jack Benny, what he said one day. He got an award one day, one evening, and he was at this presentation, and he got the award. He came up stage and stood in front of everybody like this, and, and he held that, that award in his hand, and he says, I really don't deserve this, but I have arthritis, and I don't deserve that either. Have you ever had a thought like that? Have you ever thought, maybe, God, I really don't deserve this. This problem I'm going through, this pain that I'm enduring, I really don't deserve this. If you've ever thought that or felt that, you are in good company because I want you to know that most Christians have had that thought at one time or another. Now, I need you to participate with me today, and I want you to answer this or finish this sentence, if you will. Here's the sentence, the first one I know you'll get. The second one, I hope you get. Here it is. No pain. Exactly right. Now, this one will be a little bit harder, but I bet you guys can get it. Here it is. Pain is weakness leaving the body. The idea behind both of those statements is that pain can actually be good for you. If, if you're going to grow, if you're going to get stronger, if you're going to develop your skills, you've got to play through the pain, or you've got to grow through the pain. You've got to work through the pain. We understand that. The Marines understand that. Football players understand that. Weightlifters understand the value of pain. It's interesting that we have no problem accepting that in the physical realm of life, but when it comes to the spiritual realm of life, we think something must really be wrong. When it comes to the spiritual realm of life, it's hard for us to imagine that pain could actually be for our benefit. I mean, if I have a relationship with God, if I have a relationship with the Creator of everything, if I have a personal relationship with God, then doesn't it make sense that everything should be going okay in my life? There's even a well-known gospel tract that begins with these words, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Now that tract is true and that statement is true, but what that tract does not tell you is this, that wonderful plan sometimes doesn't feel wonderful. That wonderful plan sometimes doesn't seem wonderful. Sometimes his plans hurt. I almost titled this message, The Makeover Nobody Wants. The Makeover Nobody Wants. You see, God can use your change or your pain to bring about change in your life. And the problems that you're enduring, they may be there for the purpose of God bringing you back to where you used to be. 
God moving you closer to Him than you've ever experienced. You see, not all makeovers are fun. Sometimes when God does a makeover in our life, He uses pain and He uses problems. I mean, we all want to grow in our faith, right? We all want to experience the power of God in unique ways. We just don't want to do it through suffering. We don't want to do it through pain. Sometimes we're like the Christ, sometimes Christians are like the people who I read about not long ago who went hiking in Bridger Wilderness Area. This is in western Wyoming. It's a, a national park called Bridger Wilderness Area. It's a beautiful place. Let me show you a picture. Look up on the screen. Isn't that a beautiful place? Uh, that, that might be where you want to go for vacation this summer. Look at the next picture. It almost looks like a painting, these hikers that are hiking in this beautiful place. Now, what I'm about to give you are actual comments that were made by people. They wrote it down on cards after they finished their visit. You know how you, you can do that. You make suggestions and that kind of thing, drop it in the box. These are actual cards that people turned in after hiking in Bridger Wilderness area. And here's some of the re responses that they received. Here's number one. Trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. <laughs> Here's another one. Too many bugs and leeches and spiders and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to rid the areas of these pests. Here's another one. Now, this is absolute truth. Chairlift needs to be put in place so that we can get to the wonderful views without having to hike to them. This is one of my favorites. Again, somebody wrote this down on a card after hiking in this area. He wrote down, The coyotes make too much noise last night and kept me awake. Please eradicate these annoying animals. Uh, this is perhaps my favorite, though I've got a few more. This perhaps is my favorite. A McDonald's would be nice at the trailhead. Can you believe that? I mean, at least it should be like a pizza hut or something, right? And, and then here's another one. This is one that makes me just go, duh. He said, this person wrote out the card that said, there are too many rocks in the mountains. <laughs> and then another one wrote, the places where trails do not exist are not well marked. <laughs> Shouldn't that be pretty obvious? Whether there's a trail or there's not a trail. And then the last one, escalators would help on steep uphill sections. You see, we are not fond of pain. We are not fond of discomfort or, or even the slightest bit of discomfort. But listen to this, church. Listen to me. Some of the biggest lessons you'll ever learn in your walk with God are the hardest lessons. Some of the biggest lessons you'll ever learn in your walk with God are sometimes the hardest lessons. Though it is hard to come to grips with pain, I need to understand and you need to understand that pain in my life is sometimes the way God changes my life. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul tells us his story about his pain and what he learned from it. Would you open God's Word to 2 Corinthians chapter 12? While you're turning to that text, let me give you the context. Uh, the Corinthian church had been infiltrated by false teachers. And those false teachers were, they kept hearing Paul's name come up, I'm sure, in discussions and conversations. And those false teachers were challenging people that Paul was not really an apostle. And those false teachers were challenging Paul's personal integrity, calling him a liar and a fraud and a fake. 
So in chapter 11, verse 12, Paul mentions these false teachers that have infiltrated the church. Here's what he says. I will keep on doing what I'm doing in order to cut the ground, to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants, not God's servants, but Satan's servants masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. Paul was pretty clear about that one, wasn't he? He didn't like these guys at all, these false teachers, false apostles. So in order to deal with these troublemakers, Paul reluctantly writes about some special visions and revelations he had received from the Lord. As far as we know, Paul had never mentioned this, at least in writing. He'd never talked to anybody about this. In fact, it was a secret he had kept hidden for 14 years. And so when we read chapter 12, beginning in verse 2, Paul is going to unveil this secret. Paul is going to tell us this experience that he has had that he didn't tell anybody else about. And so let's begin reading chapter 12. Pick up the story in verse 2. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was called up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was called up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I'd be speaking the truth, but I refrain so no one will think more of me than what is warranted by what I do or say. And look at verse 7, a key verse. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Now, let me try to simplify what Paul has written about there. I'm going to make very quickly just five uh, observations. Again, just to simplify what Paul has said, and then, then we're going to move on with the message. But I want you to understand what he's told us in the verses that we've just read. So let me give you five quick observations. Number one, Paul was writing about himself in this text. In an effort to avoid exalting himself, he speaks in the third person rather than the first person. But it's obvious when you come to verse 7 that he's really writing about himself, because he says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these great revelations that was given a thorn in the flesh. So Paul's writing about himself. Observation number two, Paul was in the very presence of God. When he was brought up to paradise, brought up to the third heaven, he was actually in the paradise of God. Verse two, verse three, and verse four, he talks about the third heaven. He talks about paradise after being in the very presence of God. Somehow he was transported beyond the conscious limits of time and space and matter, and he found himself in God's presence. Observation number three, Paul was sure of the experience, but he was unsure how it happened. Look what he said in verse two and three. I love the way he writes it here. He says, he says whether it was in the body, the middle of verse two, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I, I do not know. God knows. Then he repeats it again in verse three. I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows. Paul was sure of the experience. He was unsure 
as to how it all happened. Observation number four, the experience happened to him suddenly. Because Paul, two times in this text, talks about being called up. And that phrase, called up, has the idea of a swift rapture upward. It's not a slow, gradual ascent as he rose through the clouds. It was, he's on the earth at one moment, and the next moment he's in the presence of God. He was called up into heaven, into the presence of God. And then observation number five, what he heard and witnessed, mere words could never express. That's why he says in the middle of verse 4, he says, He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. He heard the unspeakable spoken. Now, look up here for a minute and let me ask you a very important question. What, what do you think? If you had been Paul, if you suddenly had been called up into heaven, you were suddenly in God's presence and, and you heard things that man normally would not have the opportunity to hear, when you came back down to the earth, what do you think would be the one thing you would struggle with the most? I would suggest to you it would be pride. Nobody else has had this experience before. You know anybody else being called up to heaven? I, I don't know about you, I would be strutting around like a rooster trying to tell people what happened to me. You talk about putting it on Instagram. Man, I would, I would be lighting up Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I'd be posting pictures. Wouldn't it be cool to get a selfie with God? So wait, 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 before you send me back, just a selfie. I'm going to post this, big boy. I'm going to get a lot of retweets on this one. God knew that the thing that probably Paul would struggle with more than anything else after he got back would be pride. So God solved Paul's potential pride problem this way. Verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, I looked up that word thorn this is not a little thorn like you'd see on a rose bush. The Greek word for thorn literally means a sharply pointed stake. Paul said it's as if somebody has driven a stake into my body. Chuck Swindoll said, On the hills of supernatural privilege came physical throbbing pain. So what was the thorn? Scholars have debated that for years. Well, what is this thorn in the flesh he talks about? And we really don't know, but there are some theories out there. Some believe that it's debilitating migraine headaches that Paul suffered from, debilitating migraine headaches. Some believe that it's epilepsy. Others would make the case that it was a chronic eye condition. And I think there's a very valid reason for that one. I won't get into it. And then others say, no, he had an ongoing bout with malaria. Whatever it is, the man who endured, who endured it, Paul, he called it a messenger of Satan. Some type of chronic, debilitating, physical pain that he experienced. So when Paul wrote this letter, you need to understand that when he wrote this letter, he had been dealing with this problem for 14 years. Some of you know what it's like to deal with the physical problem for a long time, don't you? You've been to this doctor and that doctor and another doctor and trying to find somebody to help you. 
You've taken this test and that test and these pills and that shot trying to get some relief. That was Paul. So he didn't have access to the medical field that you now have. And for 14 years, he struggled with this debilitating problem, this pain, this throbbing pain that Paul called a messenger from Satan. And Paul says he was tormented by that pain. Look look how he describes it in verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. The enemy hoped to use this pain to torment Paul, but God used it to teach him. The message translation says, Satan's angels did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was to push me to my knees. I love that translation. Satan was doing his best to get me down, but what he literally did was push me to my knees. And while Paul Paul was on his knees, he asked God to remove the pain. While he was on his knees, he asked God to take it away. And you need to remember that Paul had witnessed a lot of miracles in his day. You need to remember that Paul was the vehicle that God used often to bring miracles about. God had had used Paul to heal people. God had worked through Paul in mighty ways. And so here is the great Paul, the great preacher, the great evangelist, the great missionary, the one through whom his hands had touched people and they had been healed. And now, Paul goes to the Heavenly Father in prayer And he probably prayed in a way you and I have never prayed because he could remember the the revelation that he had 14 years ago. He could remember what it was like to be in God's presence 14 years ago. He could remember what he had seen, what he had heard, what he had felt. And with all of that as a background, he got on his knees perhaps and he prayed. And the Bible says he didn't just pray one time, he prayed three times asking God for a miracle of his own. In fact, he uses the word pleaded in this text. He says, verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. The word pleaded means to ask, it means to beg, and it means to plead. Paul says, I did that. Three times I did that. Perhaps on his knees, begging God, pleading with God again and again and again. God, please. God, please. God, please. Living Bible says, three different times I begged God to make me well again. And God gave him an answer. He didn't want to hear. God's answer was simple, and it was short, and it was direct. And God's answer was, no. 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 He offered Paul something, though. He gave him a promise. And he also explained that this pain that he was going through had a purpose. I want you to read that with me. Look at verse 9. Follow closely. Verse 9. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. There's the promise. My grace is sufficient for you. And then he says, For my power is made perfect in weakness. My power. Not yours, Paul. My power. 
is made perfect in weakness. Now, listen, listen, listen. If you haven't underlined your Bible lately, if you haven't underlined that verse lately, could I suggest to you that you mark this part of the verse? Underline these words. My grace is sufficient for you. Would you underline that if you haven't already? My grace is sufficient for you. You need to underline those words because sooner or later, you're going to need them. Sooner or later, you're going to need to find those verses. But what do they mean? You could translate it this way. My grace is enough, and it's all that you need. You see, when we pray, when we have a problem, guess what we want? We want God to take it away, right? We want God to remove it. We want God to heal us. We want God to help us, and rightly so. And there's nothing wrong in asking God to heal you. There is nothing wrong in asking God to help you. There is nothing wrong in going to the doctor and, a- and asking the doctor for his help and praying to God for his help. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But God sometimes says, I'm going to be with you, and that's really all you need. Here is where the story takes a turn. Here is where you need to make sure you focus. If you haven't been tuned in, this is where you need to get tuned in. Because God not only said, am I going to be with you, God told him something else very, very important. Listen to what he said. Verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, and here's the important part that you need to see today. For my power is made perfect in what, church? In what? In weakness. You see, God uses pain and illness to help us know and experience Him on a level we would never experience otherwise. The makeovers that we want in our life, maybe I should say it this way, the makeover we sometimes need in our lives, sometimes it's going to come through pain. Sometimes it's going to come through problems. Sometimes it's going to come through your weakness. But it is in those times of weakness when you can experience His power in a way you've never experienced it before. I was preaching this same message earlier today to the first crowd. And I won't call the man's name, uh, but, but he came up after the, after the service, and I wrote down what he said. He came up after the service, and he, and he told me, he said, you know what, there was years ago I'd gotten away from God. I'm just going to read what he told me. He said, years ago I'd gotten away from God, and my heart was cold, and it was dead. He, and he, he just said, I was so cold. Towards God. I was, I was so dead inside. And he says, for about eight years, I had lost the joy of my salvation. Eight years of walking away from God. Eight years of not feeling God nearby. He said, for eight years, my heart was cold, my heart was dead, and I had lost the joy of my salvation. Listen to what he said. He said, then I was diagnosed with melanoma cancer. So they were looking for a tumor in my chest. He said, I've got a 13-inch scar across my chest where they cut me open looking for the, the tumor. And he said, once I got past that, then I had a stroke. And I lay there in the bed with this stroke wondering what in the world was going on. And then he said, and I finally cried out to God in that hospital room. And listen to what he told me. I wrote it down. He said, it's the best thing that ever happened to me because it brought me back to God and I got the joy of my salvation back. Transformation? Absolutely. Tremendous transformation. If you could have seen him this morning, if you could have seen the smile on his face when he said, I've got the joy of my salvation back. If you could have seen him. 
you would have said that was a makeover. But that makeover came through cancer and through a stroke because that's what it took to get his attention. Here's what you've got to come to grips with. God can help us in our times of hopelessness. God can help us in our times of helplessness. God can help us in our time of heaviness when problems are too big for us to handle. And the reason that sometimes those things come into our lives is because God wants to move us closer to Him than we've ever been before. See, when you realize how little you have, when you realize how weak you are, then you are ready to look for Him again. I don't know why this illustration keeps going around in my brain. All, all morning long it has, so I'm just going to share it with you, and maybe it'll help somebody. Uh, how many? Just raise your hand. Let's participate. How many people brushed your teeth today? I, some of you are lying because you know you didn't brush, but you're not going to admit it, right? Oh, I didn't. God forgive me. No, I, I brushed my teeth. All right, so if you brush your teeth today, you probably used what? Toothpaste. Have you ever gotten that tube of toothpaste and, and you're trying to get more out of it? You know what I'm talking about? It's, I mean, it's empty. But you're trying the best you can to get some more. You squeeze a, one more time, right? I'm going to squeeze a little bit more out of that tube. Some of you, you know what that's like? That's, that's, yeah. Here's what I hope happens. Next time you brush your teeth... And you see that empty tube, and you're just squeezing, trying to get something out of it. I hope the Spirit of God may say to those of you who need this message, He may say to you, that's what I see when I look at you. You're so empty inside. There's just not a whole lot left. And then I hope you hear him say this. But my power is made perfect in weakness. When you are empty, I'm not. See, here's the takeaway I want you to get today. The power of pain and problems like nothing else can introduce us to the power of God. Those problems that are in your life right now, and, and if you notice that Paul doesn't confine this just to physical problems, he doesn't confine this just to physical ailments. If you look at the text with me again, he says, uh, verse 9, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, plural, so that God's, or Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Paul wasn't just talking about a physical problem. He said, listen, I've learned a lesson these 14 years. Over the 14 years, I've learned that God not only uses that thorn in my flesh, but He also uses persecution. He also uses difficulties. He also uses other kinds of problems, and those problems have a purpose. Many times that purpose is to drive me back to my Heavenly Father. And that's why he says, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. That verse doesn't make any sense unless you include God. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
that, that just doesn't make sense unless you're talking about a strength that doesn't come from you. A strength that comes from your Heavenly Father. I want you to bow your heads with me for a minute. I, I want to take a few minutes and talk to you. This is not quite, we're not quite leaving, but I just want to talk to you for a few minutes. I want to give you three convictions that I want you to hang on to. Three convictions to help you as you struggle through your, the pain and the problems that perhaps you're enduring. Hang on to these three convictions. Number one. The less I have, the more I depend on God. The less I have, the more I depend on God. When that toothpaste tube is empty and I can barely squeeze anything out, when my life looks like that toothpaste, the less I have, the more I depend on God. That's true for all of us. We don't realize how much we need God until we're empty. The second truth I want you to hang on to, the second conviction I hope you will grab hold of is this. When God allows extraordinary trials, He gives extraordinary comfort. Isn't that true? Haven't you seen that true in your life? And when God allows extraordinary trials, He also provides extraordinary comfort. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then the third one, third conviction I want you to hold on to is this one. Often life's greatest problems become life's greatest blessings. That's what my friend told me as we were meeting after the service, after the first service, because he said, it's the best thing that ever happened to him. How in the world could you say that, that cancer and a stroke is the best thing that ever happened to you? Because life's greatest problems sometimes become life's greatest blessings. He now has his joy of the Lord back. He now has peace in his heart. He no longer is that cold-hearted, dead person he used to be. He's had a makeover. And the, the problems and the pain he endured has brought about the change. Often life's greatest problems become life's greatest blessings. Father, I want to pray for those who are struggling right now. I recognize that in a, in a crowd like this, in a situation like this, a room full of people, that there are some problems I know of and there are many problems I don't. Lord, I know that there are many who, who are struggling with physical ailments and they can identify with Paul because they have asked you many times to help them and to heal them. They have gone to doctors and they've taken all kinds of medicines and they have traveled here and there and tried this and that and still the problem persists. Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit something would begin to happen in their life that is greater than the problem. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would draw them closer to you than they've ever been. That they might be able to speak about the greatest power they've ever known. 
Now, in just a moment, we're going to sing. And we're going to be singing a song called Just As I Am. And many of you know that song from the Billy Graham Crusades. That's what they sing at the invitation. We often think of that song in terms of salvation. And it's a wonderful song for that. But that song also has another stanza. It talks about through many trials and toils of this life, we come to God. Through many days of of struggles, we come to God. And we come to Him just as we are. We come to Him struggling, yes, but still trusting. The third verse says, Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings within and fears without, O Lamb of God, I come. Perhaps today in this invitation you want to come and maybe you need to give your life to Jesus Christ and for the first time say, I'm trusting Christ and Him alone for my salvation. Uh, God's used this pain, He's used this problem to show me that I need Him more than I need anything. Or some of you perhaps are Christians and you want to come today and say, you know, Pastor Keith, I know the trials and the tribulations and the sorrows. I know the pain you've spoken of. I've lived it for months or years. I'm praying God will bring good out of this. I'm praying that God would do a makeover in my heart, a makeover in my life. I'll experience what Paul experienced. Father, you know every heart, you know every need. And may this day we draw closer to you than we ever have. In Christ's name I pray.